Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another edition of the critically acclaimed SEC Football Unfiltered Podcast. From the USA Today Network, I'm Blake Topmeyer, alongside John Adams. We got some more movement in the college athletics conference carousel. We'll be breaking that down today, the Big Ten's expansion, and whether the SEC should counter. Also going to uh, discuss a recent interview I had with uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and what his long-term future might look like with the Rebels. So, John, the big news from, from last week, USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. So now the Big Ten will span from wherever the heck Rutgers is located in New Jersey out to uh, La La Land from coast to coast. What was your reaction to that? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing UCLA and Rutgers tee it up in a couple of years. That could become quite a football rivalry. One of the things that struck me about it was that much like last year's expansion uh, in the SEC, adding Oklahoma and Texas at what seems like uh, years from now, supposed to be in 2025, I think, but there was little speculation. It just kind of came out of nowhere. So uh, well-kept uh, secrets in both expansions. The other thing that struck me is uh, these moves seem to be predicated on football. So what's the big deal about UCLA? I would prefer to have Oregon and Southern Cal. That gets you in a different market. I don't know that you really need UCLA once you get USC, but those those were two things that stuck out to me. And I still don't think if you're trying to keep up with the SEC, you didn't quite pull it off because UCLA and Southern Cal aren't aren't Oklahoma and Texas. But they got closer, right? I mean, I think I I don't I agree. I don't know that this allows the Big Ten to leapfrog the SEC. Now, maybe in TV revenue, perhaps there, but you know, in terms of the on-field competition, the on-field product, I don't. I agree. I don't think USC and, and UCLA pulls the Big Ten ahead of, of the SEC. But what it does do, I think, I mean, it creates a second super league, right? Like instead of the Power Five. I feel like we're going to get to the point here where you have the power two and then everybody everybody else. And maybe there's a 1A and 1B between the SEC and the Big Ten, and maybe that uh, you know flip-flops from time to time. But it just it feels like the Big Ten maybe isn't done expanding here. I don't know why they would be done. If you want your conference to span from California to New Jersey, there's a lot of other schools you can go after. And I'm not convinced the SEC's done. And so... Yeah, it just seems like, to me, we got two conferences pulling ahead of the pack. The SEC was already doing that, and now this is a sign, I think, that the Big Ten's going to come along for the ride. Blake, I really see it as a TV market versus talent. I think the SEC expansion, SEC already had Texas A&M, but it certainly 
will enhance its market value in Texas, getting Texas and then Oklahoma. But that's not comparable to having two schools in large, uh, megapolis like Los Angeles. Uh, so another factor to me is how big a deal is college football in, in, in Los Angeles? Yeah, it's got all the, it's got the numbers, but that's a pro town. I mean, they care about, I guess the, uh, they care about the Dodgers and they care about the, uh, Lakers the most. Um, I remember covering the, the national championship game between Southern Cal and, and Texas played in Pasadena, just, just up the, uh, Pasadena freeway from downtown Los Angeles, uh, 30 minute drive or so, depending on the traffic. And, uh, there were probably, it was probably two to one in the stands, Texas versus Oklahoma versus Southern Cal fans. It's college football is just not a big deal there. I guess it's bigger than what it is in, in New Jersey with, with the Rutgers, uh, your new rival in the big 10, or whatever they will call the expanded league. But I, I just think the talent-wise and, and the product, to me, is markedly better in the SEC than it is in this expanded Big Ten. What do you think about USC in particular in the Big Ten? We've spent some time talking about Lincoln Riley and USC on this podcast. It's an SEC podcast, but you know USC is a brand Lincoln Riley is one of the biggest names in the in the sport, and so you can't overlook them. Do you think moving to the Big Ten could help that program get back? I don't know about getting back to the Pete Carroll dynasty, but get getting more relevant, getting more in the picture again. Do you think? Because we've seen with Texas A and M, you know, I think initially the thought was, oh, you know, A and M. Uh, they can't even win the Big 12. What are they? What are they going to do in the SEC? Well, actually, in a number of things, helped this. Johnny Manziel helped this, and I think now Jimbo Fisher's helping this. But actually, I think the SEC has helped elevate Texas A&M football. I think that program's in a better place today than it was when it exited the Big 12. Do you see the Big 10 having a similar effect on USC and and helping elevate Lincoln Riley's program? Well, I still think at Southern California, you should be able to recruit the best players. I think in the SEC, everybody in the SEC, be it a newcomer or an old-timer, benefits from the SEC brand because it's well-established now that the SEC is the best conference in football. You, It's... You can see that in the NFL draft. You can see that in the recruiting rankings. So if you want to play against the best and prove yourself against the best, it's the way to go. If you're if you're a quarterback, you want to throw against the best DBs, uh, you want to go to the SEC. If you're an offensive lineman, you want to block against the best edge rushers. So there's a much to be said for the recruiting advantages of the SEC. Um uh, how much I just don't know if it will have the same boost for Southern Cal. I think because it's in such a market with so much talent in that area, Southern Cal can recruit well enough. And I don't maybe the idea of playing against Ohio State, maybe the idea of playing against Michigan, the marquee programs in the Big Ten, or or maybe even Penn State or 
or Wisconsin. But let's let's look back on the a more recent addition uh, to the Big Ten, Nebraska. Good point. Everybody thought Nebraska w- was going to benefit greatly from joining the joining the Big Ten. As it turns out, Nebraska should have stayed in the Big Twelve. It hasn't helped it at all. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. That's a counter argument to my Texas A and M example. Is is you're right. The, the Huskers have not been lifted up by their move to the Big Ten. In fact, the opposite seems to be true. So the, I think the next question here, because I don't see the Big Ten stopping at, at 16. I don't I don't see why they would. I think this maybe heads toward the Big Ten getting to, let's say, a 20-team Super League. If that happens, or even in just response to this move, should the SEC feel some urgency to further expand. You know, it's like the SEC made their move last year. They bring along Oklahoma and Texas. Now the Big Ten counters with USC, UCLA, which, oh, by the way, so much for that quote-unquote alliance, that uh, blood brother agreement between the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and uh, the ACC. I mean, George Kliakov, the the commissioner of the Pac-12, just got taken for an absolute fool. Uh, I mean, he, he needs to be wearing a dunce cap right now because that that sucker i mean he thought he was going to buddy up to the big 10 and everything was going to be hunky dory maybe they'd they'd strike some deal of playing non-conference games and they weren't going to raid each other of their members and two two most valuable programs it's a gentleman's agreement that wasn't a made wasn't made by gentlemen they're they're a multi-million dollar businesses competing against one another so i thought that was pretty comical even when it happened it was almost like well, we can't keep up with the SEC, but we'll show them. We'll join. We'll grab hands and and hold very tightly. And, and, and how foolish! Them. How foolish for the Big Twelve to ever be duped by that. I mean, if if you and I know what can see it for what it is, it's a farce. I mean, how can you be the commissioner of that conference and and be lured in by that? But, but needless to say, though, I, I think. You know, there's there's been a move by the SEC, and now there's been a counter move by the Big Ten. Should the SEC, because of this, do you think they should feel compelled to further add? Should they try to stay one step ahead of, of the Big Ten here? And and how, if so, how should they go about it? Do you think, Blake? I we're playing a a game with uh, multi million dollar stakes here. I don't think they have uh, SEC has any choice. You want to stay the best. You want to stay the biggest. You got to get more schools. And you get better get prominent ones. Uh, in fact, if you want to use play the hindsight game, you could say when Tennessee, I mean, SEC added um, Oklahoma and Texas, why didn't he go after Southern Cal and Oregon? Now, you can say the geographics of it, the distance, and, hey, that would be too far. But, but now as we see this, Big Ten that stretches from the East Coast to the West Coast, from Rutgers to Southern Cal and UCLA, we can say, well, geography doesn't matter there. TV markets matter. So uh, you can talk about the travel uh, difficulties, but bottom line, bigger TV share, bigger contract money. So you could say, why didn't the FCC just go ahead and get Oregon and say Oregon and Southern Cal. 
if they had a chance to get Southern Cal, then then maybe. But I, I have a little bit different view on this because I I think the SEC should consider further expansion, expansion, but with some caveats. I I really think the Big Ten has no brand right now. It, it got better by adding USC, I think, and it got a bigger, a huge TV market. Sure. But I just I fail to see the brand and the identity of the Big Ten when you stretch from New Jersey to California. And I still think that matters to some degree. I mean, the one thing the SEC has done with its expansion here by bringing in Texas A&M, bringing in Texas, bringing in Oklahoma, I think Missouri is an exception to this. But those other three schools, <laughs> they really fit the identity of this conference, not just being you know, good football schools, but I think they fit the identity of the South. You know, I mean, there's there's something to be said, I think, for the SEC having an identity of not just the best football in the nation, the best college football in the nation, but it's got this Southern brand, the Southern I- identity. I think when you, you flip on the, the Paul Feinbaum show, you flip on the SEC network, you travel around to these venues in the South, you know, football matters there more than anything else. College football matters there more than anything else. Um, it's a good product. It, it has this Southern identity. And I think there's a way to expand while preserving that. I don't know. I mean, Oregon would, would stretch your footprint. Sure, it's, ha- it's been a program that's had some success. You got the Nike money and all that. But I just think there's better options in the Southern footprint you know, where you can, we, we make jokes about the SEC and it, it's, it just means more brand. You know, we always, it's always the, the, the butt of the jokes, but it actually tells me that it's an effective motto that we all know it. And, and I think there's a lot of truth behind it. You look around the SEC and again, with some exceptions of maybe a couple places, college football does just mean more in those places than it does other places. And, and so I think if they're going to expand, do it with that identity in, in mind. If you were the uh, commissioner of this expanding SEC and you want to maintain that Southern, it just means more brand. Notre Dame knocks on your door and says, hey, we want to hook up with you guys. Why do you tell Notre Dame? Well, no, we're not interested. You don't really fit the footprint here. No, I think Notre Dame. You got there's exceptions to the to the rule, and and I I say I think if they would have had a chance to add USC, then sure that can be an exception to the rule. I think Notre Dame, while I think Notre Dame would probably find the Big Ten land more appealing to them, it sort of you know it matches with their hubris. I, I would say uh, if if Notre Dame is going to wind up in a conference, to me. I think Notre Dame would be the, or excuse me, the Big Ten would be the far and away leader. But in this scenario where Notre Dame's interested in the SEC, sure, you make that exception. But to me, is is Oregon worth it? Is is Arizona State? You know, Arizona State, you could bring in the Phoenix media market. Eh, I, I just don't think that's, you know, it's got to be about more than media market. It's got to be, you, you can't dilute your brand. You can't dilute the product. Because if you dilute the product, I think you're not going to be worth as much anyway. Now, if Clemson wants in, absolutely. That that fits the the brand. It fits the footprint. College football means more in, in Clemson. That makes sense to me. And, and I think there's a couple other places, too. I think the SEC can and maybe should get to 20, but do it by being smart about it. Don't just panic here or, or try to respond to the Big Ten's move and go grab 
you know, a couple schools from the crumbling Pac-12. Uh, you know, with these previous rounds of expansion, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Texas, it made the conference better. So go go find programs that can enhance the quality of your conference and, and not dilute it. And so, yeah, I mean, if Notre Dame wants in, make an exception and I don't know, maybe they'll, maybe you can get some Southern fair going up there and teach them how to appreciate grits or something. I don't know. Well, I, I don't think they care about grits in, in, in South Bend. Um, I, I also think, and, and I always, uh, I, I don't think there's any way the Notre Dame would join the SEC. And I don't, I really question whether there would be a combo and just have one super conference, have the big 10 and sec all just like having the using the NFL model, having an AFC and an NFC, the big 10 schools like to present themselves as more academic oriented. They always have. And, and I think, in that respect, they kind of look down on the SEC programs. They think the SEC cheats more than the Big Ten does, and they think they have better academics. Um, so I, I don't know that those teams would ever join hands and have this monster NFL thing, but model. Uh, but I, I do think I, I've always looked at these schools. Your point, since since the SEC has already expanded into Oklahoma and Texas, and you want to get like-minded programs, I mean, I don't see what's wrong with Oklahoma State. I agree. If you want to get Oklahoma State and Baylor, and if you want to add Clemson and Florida State, you've got your 20-team league, and you got, you've got schools that have a very, very similar identity. Uh, those schools are all, they're very football oriented. They're good in other sports too. So it'd be very like-minded. I would like, I've always thought that Florida state and Clemson belonged in the sec more than some of the sec members did. I thought when the sec added South Carolina, honestly, Clemson was a, would have been a better Clemson. Wasn't it's football program. Wasn't, at the same height it is now. But I just think from a mindset, Clemson would have been more SEC-like um, than South Carolina. And you look at other schools, say Virginia Tech, to me, has a very SEC vibe to it. Um, so there are other schools like that. West Virginia, to me, I thought West Virginia was more SEC-like than Missouri was. But the SEC added Missouri. I mean, Missouri remains an outlier in this conference. Last two rounds of expansion, that's the one that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I say that as a native Midwesterner who lived eight years in, in the state of Missouri, including four in, in Columbia. Like, I'm sorry, but Columbia, Missouri is the Midwest. It's not the South. You know, we've seen attendance fall at, at Missouri. We've seen their success drop since the retirement of, of Gary Pinkle. I think other than the conference paycheck, I don't know that that's been a great move for Missouri. Now, I'd say now it looks okay because if if we're left in a future with two Super Leagues, well, at least Missouri can say they're in they're in one of the two conferences that matter. But, you know, that was a case where the SEC took someone in who I didn't think quite fit the identity of the conference. And, and I think that's, in many regards, proven 
true. I, I think you make a good point about Oklahoma State. You know, if you're just chasing fresh TV markets, um, you know, and expanding your footprint, then maybe Oklahoma State doesn't jump off the chart because you already have the Oklahoma City market by adding Oklahoma. But, you know, TV markets really only matter in so much as the TVs are actually tuned in to what you're putting on. You know, you go out and get a huge TV market, but they don't care about the product you're you're offering. Well, what difference does it make, you know? And people in Oklahoma, whether you're an Oklahoma State fan or an Oklahoma fan, you really care about the product. And think about the ratings, you know, for, for Bedlam. Are you really going to sacrifice that? I mean, bringing that on board would be, you know, a highly rated game. And you can bet if Oklahoma State is in the SEC, Oklahoma fans are not just going to be watching the SEC game involving their team. They're going to be watching Oklahoma State's game every Saturday as well and vice versa. So, yeah, I think that's one that, um, you know, if you think it just about it in terms of, of TV markets, maybe not. But in terms of actually fitting the identity and enhancing the quality of the conference, I think a strong case could be made for Oklahoma State. Clemson seems like a no-brainer. And then you threw out uh, what, Florida State as as well. That that makes sense to me, too. Who was your fourth, did you say? Oh, you, I put you threw- Baylor in there okay. just because I think it's like-minded. Um, the thing about Oklahoma State, though, as you pointed out, and Florida State as well, the rivalries. We make a big deal of football rivalries. It, we always have. Uh, and throughout the country, whether it's Oregon and Oregon State or Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and, and and you make a good point is just because you have all those TV sets in your market, does it mean you're all watching that? Does it mean all those people are watching that? As opposed to college football fans anywhere in America. Maybe you maybe you live in the Northeast, but you still you might be transplanted or you might just love college football is a great game. Maybe you love college football. You just don't have a team in the Northeast you identify. And think about on a on a rivalry weekend, closing weekend in the SEC, if you expanded somewhat more, you added an Oklahoma State, a Florida State, the rivalries you could have, Texas versus Texas A&M, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, Florida versus Florida State, Auburn versus Alabama, Ole Miss versus Mississippi State, all of those in-state rivalries are all great in-state rivalries. No matter where you are in the country, if you just have any a casual interest in college football, those are games that you might find uh, appealing. And if you look at TV ratings for like end-of-season TV ratings, almost down the line, like your top 10 list for your regular season games, they're almost all rivalry games. And that's, you know, college football is becoming more like the NFL but I don't think we ever get to a point where college football completely mirrors the NFL. And I think one of those ways it will always be different is in the NFL, there are some really important rivalries. Sure. And, and you talk to big time NFL fans, those, those games are, are huge, but still in the NFL, I don't think it's quite the same. You know, everything's geared toward making the playoffs. Um, you know, people are going to be tuned into Sunday night, Monday night football, regardless of whether it's a rivalry or not college football some games just matter far more than others, and it's not even necessarily based on your rankings. I mean, the Iron Bowl is always going to be the 
the biggest game of the regular season for Alabama and Auburn. It, it, it just it doesn't matter whether you're ranked, whether you're not. You look at last year's Iron Bowl, goes to overtime. I mean, those types of games move the needle in a huge way um, in college football. And and so yeah, I think I think rivalries are are one of the are one of the ways this sport lasts and grows. I, I think you can't sacrifice that or it's going to damage the product because the, the fandom in college football is not exactly the same in the NFL. I think your identity matters more to you. I mean, you got NFL fans, you know, living in Nashville who are fans of the Dolphins, you know. I mean, it, it, it's not as much wrapped up in your identity, where you went to school, where you're from, the rivalries, all that. I think college football, all, the, all that stuff matters on a different level than it does on, on the NFL, and, and I think those things have to maybe not be the the absolute guiding light in expansion, but you can't ignore those those qualities either. Well, I, I do think and when it's in state, it has a it has a greater meaning. Uh, for taking Oklahoma as an example. I mean OU, the Sooners are a bigger deal in Oklahoma, but it's pretty much if you're not an Oklahoma fan, you probably pull for Oklahoma State. I don't know who else would you pull for in the state. So, I mean, I, I same way Ole Miss, Mississippi State, as you mentioned, with those kind of games, it yes, if they're both in the top 25, it might mean more. But just the idea of those teams slugging it out uh, and knowing how much is on the line within that state, I just think it means a lot, and I think it's really good TV. One other thing about regional interest, Go back to NASCAR. NASCAR used to be a Southern sport. Became so popular nationally. They're all over the place. Northern California, Chicago, Midwest, anywhere in America, NASCAR. And that, it was booming. But then as it kept expanding, kept expanding, it lost something along the way. Because it used to be, you thought of NASCAR there were towns that no one ever heard of until NASCAR was there, like Martinsville and, and Talladega. Who in the world would say, well, we're going to Talladega on our vacation this year? <laughs> you look at them like, oh, okay, great. Not a lot of Marriott properties in Talladega, <laughs> no, either, John. No, I stayed at the old Colony House uh, Hotel there, and I remember on a during a rain out on a Sunday, killing six flies in that, uh, in that room. <laughs> At least um, they weren't it, roaches. Better than roaches. Yeah. I mean, they're smaller and not nearly as intimidating, but I, I just think, I really think NASCAR lost something when it moved out of the South and became more of a national uh, brand because those like, I mean, North Wilkesboro, Martinsville, uh, you just, you know, you went there for NASCAR and there was nothing else going on there, but they drew so many people. And I don't, I mean, I, that just, again, it was a regional deal. And we used to think of college football as a regional sport. I mean, there was, it, there was national interest, but so much about it was a, an affinity for that region. Yeah. And, and I think it still is that way. Now the big 10 is going to challenge that theory. Before we change gears to to Lane Kiffin, I want to say we thank you for listening to our podcast. We're coming up on one-year anniversary of SEC Football Unfiltered, so 
We appreciate you being along with us here. And if you do not subscribe, uh, go ahead and click subscribe or follow. That way you will not miss an episode. We'll continue to be with you each and every week. And if you like what you hear, uh, go ahead and give us a, a rating, a review. Those ratings and reviews help us get in front of more listeners. John, last week I had a column published on Lane Kiffin. Uh, you can find that at usatoday.com or clarenledger.com or just Google Lane Kiffin, Blake Topmeyer, and you'll find that column. And it's interesting, John, we started the conversation when I was sitting down with Kiffin in his office in Oxford, and I pointed out to him that as a head coach, this is now his fifth head coaching job at Ole Miss between the NFL and college football. And he's never lasted four full seasons in a head coaching stint yet, either by his own decision to leave or by his employer's decision to fire him. He's never he's never made it four full years. So I asked him, you know, does the idea of being somewhere long term and settling in intrigue him? And he tells this story about being a younger guy and um, and how that's sort of what he always envisioned, what he always dreamed of. Um, you know, settling in somewhere. He said, he said to me, you know, not exactly maybe to the extent of Bobby Bowden at, at Florida State, but going somewhere that's a, that's a college football place and where college football is king and you go in and you settle, settle in for a while. And he offered this, this memory he had of being a young assistant at Southern Cal. And when they went to play at Notre Dame and, you know, as he describes it, you're rolling through idyllic America, college football, USA. He's got a good image of South Bend, Indiana, I guess. And, uh, you know, he said he remembers saying to Steve Sarkeesian, like, this is awesome. Look, look at the tradition. Look at, um, you know, the surroundings. Look at the setting. And, of course, his career didn't pan out that way. He had a chance to maybe settle in in college football, USA, long term, early in his career when he was in Knoxville, when he was at Tennessee. He left after one year to replace Pete Carroll at Southern Cal. And now all these years later, he has not had a long-term coaching stint. And, you know, he didn't make any grandiose promises about staying at Ole Miss forever, but he did try to paint this picture of, yes, the idea of being somewhere for a while appeals to him. It just hasn't happened for him yet for one reason or another. What do you think about this? Do you you buy this? Do you see Lane at, at Ole Miss? Long term, because I could see it both ways. I actually, I don't totally scoff at this idea of, despite Kiffin's, you know, job hopping past. I don't totally scoff at the idea of him settling in at Ole Miss for a while. What do you think? It's hard to go against a track record, and he did say, okay, that was kind of his dream to be at this uh, idyllic uh, college football town, and and be there for many years. He might could have done that at Tennessee. And then he said, I, I read your, your column and your Q&A with him. Both were very insightful. But it was as though his dream changed because he was out there at Southern Cal on that staff with Pete Carroll when, when that program was rolling. And so he had a different dream, and he went to Southern Cal, uh, which proved to be a career mistake because of probation and the way that all played out. He might have been better off staying at Tennessee. I think he would have. Uh, so now for me to think he's going to stay at Ole Miss, I just don't buy that. Although I think his options are more limited now. I don't think there was a rush by 
maybe bigger schools, there wasn't a rush to go get hire Lane Kiffin. Texas hired Steve Sarkeesian. To me, Lane Kiffin's a better coach than Steve Sarkeesian. I would have gone after Lane Kiffin over Steve Sarkeesian. There were there have been other jobs that opened up, and I would have hired I would have hired Lane Kiffin. I, I know his the the past is somewhat checkered, but I would have gone after Lane Kiffin. And what I wonder, I don't know that he'll go to the NFL. Although he might be best suited to be an NFL coordinator, offensive coordinator play caller. But at the college level, I think eventually another school, if he can, if he has success again this year at Ole Miss, I think another school will come calling, uh, a bigger school, uh, maybe a Florida state, maybe an Auburn. I mean, would you rather have the Auburn job or the Ole Miss job? Depends what you're going for, I guess. If you want to, you know, earn a nice living, maybe not have outrageous pressure, but probably never win a national championship, I'd rather be at Ole Miss. I, I oftentimes think I, I look at things differently than a lot of college football coaches. I mean, to me, Ole Miss is is a nice fit for Lane. I mean, he could settle in there for a long time. He can he can win eight plus games in a lot of seasons there, I think, but not have the pressure, you know, to, to be keeping up with Alabama at, at Auburn, you got the pressure of, you know, that, that group of boosters that we've seen (laughs) metal in every way, shape or form. And then also the pressure to, to keep up with, with big brother, Alabama. Well, at Ole Miss, you are the big brother in the state, whether Mississippi state fans want to hear that or not. And in that head to head, Ole Miss is is the big brother, and you're not you're not having to keep up with with Alabama so much. And so, from that respect, I think I'd rather be at Ole Miss. From the but that's not the way these coaches think of it. You know, they think, well, I want I got to go somewhere where I can win a national championship. Well, I don't know if you're getting paid seven million dollars at either place. There's something to be said for being at the place with less pressure. But that's not the way these guys look at it. And and if you want to win a national championship, Auburn's shown that it. It can do that. So from that respect, I think you'd rather be at Auburn. Yeah, I kind of think that's would. I think Lane Kiffin is ambitious enough, even though he might be seemingly settling in at Ole Miss. I, I just don't really buy that. I think he might could have a nice run there. I don't know if he might alienate people along the way with his personality. He, he has that potential. Um, but I think in terms of coaching, I just think there's so many programs out there that want to win. They want to win right away. And this NIL money, they're willing to spend NIL money. Uh, Kiffin has shown he can get transfers. I just think Lane Kiffin would be appealing for somebody. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, in Auburn, uh, Brian Harson is already on shaky ground. In Auburn, no one minds throwing money around like Auburn to pay Gus Malzahn $21 million to leave and then to be pondering the possibility of firing Brian Hartson after one year? Why wouldn't Auburn invest and take a chance on Lane Kiffin? And Lane Kiffin wouldn't – I don't think he would mind at all going against Nick Saban. I think he would find that funny and amusing to take – to needle Nick Saban. And he can – Nick Saban won't be there forever, even though it seems that way sometimes. And also Mike Norvell at Florida State. I, I think 
that's a job that could come open quickly. Florida State's had a bad run here. Uh, so I think there will be opportunities for him if he can keep winning at Ole Miss. He wins 10 games again at Ole Miss this year, and that's not out of the question. He goes back-to-back 10-win seasons at Ole Miss. He will get a better job. And, and you know, again, I'd circle back to Wayne Kiffin wasn't making any any over-the-top promises of, well, Ole Miss is where I'm going to retire, which I actually appreciate because, you know, that would all these coaches, like, you know, vows of loyalty are, are worthless anyway. So at least he didn't insult our intelligence by going down that path. He said, you know, I always pictured being at a place like this. And if you believe that, if you believe this, this story of that, that used to be his old school dream that he got derailed from, even if he circles back to that old school dream now, well, Oxford, Mississippi, isn't the only place where you can find that. If you want to be in this, you know, idyllic setting where college football is king uh, et cetera. Well, again, Ole Miss isn't the only place where you can, you can find that. I mean, you just mentioned one right there in, in Auburn that would sort of fit the bill as well. And, and Lane, while he told me that story about a road game at Notre Dame, he also mentioned a road game at Auburn where he had a similar thought of like, you know, this is what college football is supposed to look like. Um, so yes, you, he could still coach and in other locations like that. He doesn't have to go back to LA. He doesn't have to, to, you know, revive that, that dream of USC. He can stick with the original thought of, of being coaching and as I call it, college football USA, while not necessarily staying at Ole Miss. But I do think, I think the idea of staying in the SEC could appeal to Lane. You know, this is, it's the biggest and best conference. It, it, I think he likes being in the headlines. I think he he uses that well. He knows how to market that. He knows how to market the attention that comes around him. And the SEC gives him a bigger megaphone. So I I could see him maybe if an opportunity arises at a program that's a little higher up the the totem pole or what we perceive as the pecking order in the SEC. I could see him maybe leaving. But I tend to think that it might be might take another job within within the SEC to make him make a move. Well, Blake, I hope he stays in the SEC. And I, I would be happy with him staying at Ole Miss because Ole Miss is one of those programs that if it has a really good coach, an upper echelon coach, it can win. As can Mississippi State to a degree. I mean, those programs, and it makes the SEC, it makes for a more competitive SEC. So I hope Lane stays at Ole Miss. All right, John. Uh, I'm glad we uh, unpacked expansion here. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to more of your ideas down the road. I know about a year ago this time you put on your commissioner hat and were you were admitting some schools while barring others. We might have to revisit that in a few weeks unless we can get Greg Sankey on the podcast. You you know Greg a little bit. I know Greg a little bit. Maybe th- think we can team up and get get Sankey get the commission on here. Honestly, I might rather hear from you anyway. Well, I think I would rather hear from me too. But I I would also, I don't think we should rule out expanding our podcast. If we wanted to add someone, I don't think that should be out of the question. We should at least consider it. But much like with the SEC, I don't want to add a body just to add a body. I don't want to dilute the quality. Right now... You know, you and I are are the the voices carrying this thing. We bring in a third voice that waters us down. I'm not up for that. So it's got to be somebody good and fits our identity, fits our brand. 
Well, at the top of the podcast, you did say critically acclaimed. Can you give me any more specifics on that? The the critically acclaimed part, or is that just kind of a general testament to our work? I, I pulled five critics. Mm. Four out of it's like that old dent commercial with the chewing gum. Four out mm-hmm. of five agreed. We got something cooking here on SEC Football Unfiltered. And the fifth person I pulled, I'll never ask for their opinion again. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for listening to this edition of SEC Football Unfiltered.